Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Welcome to another week of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. How are you doing, Tara? I'm good. How about you, Chris? I'm great. Let's see what's in the newsroom. This is the newsroom. Yeah, let's start with, so here in Kansas, um, we had four phases to open up the economy. And so on the show notes, you're going to see a link for um, COVID-19 news, Kansas to interphase 1.5, which is not one of the four original phases. So this article talks about what 1.5 is. We started off with phase one. We were supposed to start phase two this week. And um, Governor Kelly said, no, I don't think so. I don't like where we're at. So we're going to do this instead. And so um, I found another link on there so I could read what the um, what the phases are. And so what 1.5 is, is that we're still not supposed to gather in people 10 or more anywhere. Uh, masks are strongly encouraged in public settings and your you know, social distancing, distancing rather is still a thing. Uh, people are still supposed to work from home if possible. Anybody experiencing symptoms, any employees are supposed to stay home. It doesn't say which symptoms, it just says symptoms. So I think you're supposed to assume COVID-19. Yep. And then travel is supposed to be minimized or avoid um, if it's not essential. Uh-huh. And then you're, we're to follow KDHE travel and quarantine guidelines um, if we're traveling to high risk areas. So, but they're opening gyms. Yay. And care, child care facilities. Fantastic. <laughs> and the libraries are opening and commencement ceremonies. So here it's what's funny. We cannot gather in crowds of 10 or more, but commencement ceremonies are open. So I'm dying to know, are they all going to be virtual? I know my commencement ceremony is, but I haven't heard about the others. What I have heard is that they're all opening up this summer. They're going to bypass this phase and go for it this summer. Huh. Well, so, I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people are really upset about this whole thing and that it doesn't seem like it's very well thought out and there's a lot of inconsistencies. And if you can go to Home Agreed. Depot, then why can't you go get a haircut and, you Agreed. know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, I, I think the, they're trying to drag this thing out, but, uh, I, you know, especially out here in Kansas, I mean, you know, uh, where there's a lot more population, there's there's probably a lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense. But many places in Kansas, uh, it doesn't make sense to keep things closed down right now. No, no, it doesn't. It's funny that you should mention about you were we're okay to go to places like Home Depot and Lowe's and the grocery store, but can't get our hair cut. I've got a, a close friend who is um, she owns her own salon, and she made a post the other day that the salons uh, professionals are specifically trained for human handling. Basically yeah. they're trained for sanitation. They're trained to make sure that, you know, germs are not um, there's no cross contamination, but in the stores, Lowe's, uh, the, the grocery stores, target, all of those are not designed that way. They're literally Petri dishes mm-hmm. and, but those are open and that's okay. But my hairstylist can't open up because it's, you can't do six, distancing you can't do social distancing um so I, I, I agree with you i think this is a poorly planned um i think well poorly designed plan i think there's a lot of lot left to be desired so maybe the second time we go through this we will have learned our lesson well i think for me the biggest gripe that i have about it is it's a one-size-fits-all right i mean it assumes right. the entire state of kansas has got the population density of new york city i think and and yep. <laughs> that's 
I mean, we are, we vary widely from sort of urban areas. I mean, I, I grew up on the East coast and even Kansas city is not as densely populated as some of the areas, you know, that I grew up near. So, um, you know, all the way out to, you know, Western Kansas where there's, you know, what, like 10 people per square mile, if that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we have a huge range here and I don't think that the plan takes into account, um, that, and I, I think it, it does not, uh, take into account personal responsibility. Right. I think it just assumes right. that everybody's going to do the worst thing. And then, you know, so we need, we need to make sure that the government tells everybody what to do. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I've, I've got a lot of issues with it, but I do know, uh, I do get the emails from the state and the last day of the legislature, they're going to be discussing how the state can limit their liability from the shutdown plans uh, is one of the things yeah. they're going to be talking about in one of the legislative committees. So it'll be interesting to see what the state does to try and get out of some lawsuits. Cause I think um, once everything goes back to normal here, I think you're going to see some lawsuits against the states and the governments. I think you're right. I think, you know, and this is one of the things I kind of was hoping we'd talk about is, is there a threat to non-essential businesses because of this plan? And I, I think places have already shut down and they're, they're, they've closed their doors permanently because they won't be able to open back up. Um, I've talked with a couple of restaurant managers who said if they hadn't been for the loans that were put out, um, the loans that we covered a few weeks ago, they would not have been able to open or remain open to do their curbside. Yeah. It's, curbside is not enough revenue. They need those dining rooms open. And so I think think you're um on the right track there i think there is going to be some pushback from this and then in, the, in terms of um lawsuits well and, and uh, you know for me i think where the lawsuits are going to come from is who really decides what's essential and right. you know there's no no definite list of what's essential and what's not mm-hmm. and and i think you know to me it's one of those things that once you start moving that line um it's it's very easy to move it one way or the other based on an argument you know Um, you know, food. Okay. Everybody needs food. That's essential, right? Right. Um, restaurants is a restaurant essential. Well, maybe not. Maybe. I mean, some people can't cook, right? So, uh, some people are relying on going out to eat, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. For me, it's really difficult. I think once you start, um, saying that one business is more important than another, then it's a really slippery slope from there. I agree, especially when you consider the liquor stores to be essential, but gyms are not. Yeah, that's that's been going around social media and it's completely (laughs) ridiculous. But then again, you could argue that, um, you know, people with addiction problems, if you cut them off cold turkey, uh, you're going to have a lot of problems. I mean, a lot of social problems. And so, you know, I think there's an argument either way for that one, right? Well, I, I agree. And that goes into the other uh, part of that. Art. Well, it's not the same argument, but when you're talking about things that you're adding more difficulty to forcing people to stay at home, there was a, a, ma- a massive increase in domestic violence and um, deaths yeah. that occur from domestic violence. And then there was a huge drop off in child abuse reports because it's the uh, the professionals that report child abuse, not parents. Right. So I don't think there was a lot of thought put into this. I don't think other people's experiences were taken into consideration when putting this plan together. As you said, it was supposed to be one size fits all. And I think we can all agree that's not something that works out well for the, the bigger masses, especially at the state level. Yeah. Okay. What do we got up next? Facing your (laughs) facing your face (laughs) mask duties, a list of statewide orders. 
So I, I, I had to go find this. I was, um, I, I had to have a COVID-19 test recently, which I don't wish on my worst enemy. I absolutely don't. It's terrible torture. And so, you know, I've seen the face mask and I was, I've been trying not to be critical about wearing face masks in public. And I can see why doctor's offices do, but when I got this COVID-19 test, I mean, they take a six inch, eight inch Q-tip and shove it down into your nasal canal. Yeah. And it doesn't go up into your brain. Like some people had, you know, tried to state it goes down into it. It like breaks the mucous membrane that goes down into your, um, Oh, the tubes and everything go down into your lungs. And it's like, wait a second here. If you guys have to dig that deep to find a virus that may or may not be there, why am I wearing a, a, a face mask? Mm-hmm. What? I don't understand. In talking to a few of my medical professional friends, they were like, eh, we're not convinced it helps. Let's put it that yeah. way, but just wear it and, so it's, I, and I've heard a lot of places are requiring it. Some of the places I've been to, like Costco and other retailers are requiring it. And some places are making it your choice. And so that's kind of why I brought this up is, do you think masks should be a choice or a requirement? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And um, I, I have a hard, hard one with this because, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you're coughing, you should certainly stay home. And I think it, it's a potential danger that somebody who is is truly sick may think, well, I'll just put a face mask on and that'll protect me from everybody mm-hmm. else, right? Um, well, that's the argument is I wear a mask to protect you, right. not me. That's the that's the twisted argument that's behind this face mask requirement. And so that's why I was posing this question is who's really protected? Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, there's not all face masks are created equal, right? I mean, a crappy face mask is probably worse than not wearing one at all. Um, you know, having a professionally made, you know, N95 mask is, is probably better than, uh, you know, than, than a lot of things, but, uh, let's face it. A lot of these people are running around with bandanas or whatever kind of crap that they ginned up at home. Uh, a lot of companies (laughs) even now are selling, you know, kind of logoed branded face masks that, uh, you know, aren't, they, they are truly a fashion statement because they are not functional at all. Um, no, it's, you know, and it's the new thing. I've seen one that, that I just saw it earlier today. That is a face mask and it comes down to the neck so it can cover your neck up and it's, it's nothing more than an accessory. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Good job marketing people out there. You, you've made a whole bunch of money off of a face mask that was supposed to be in short supply yeah. and was supposed to have a, a purpose. I mean, I think people, um, it feels like it's been exploited. I think people are making really a little do. money off of this, but I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, making millions off of it. I mean, uh, I do. Oh, I don't know. It could there's, be. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there, there's, I mean, I've seen the golden girls on some and Pokemon's. I mean, there are, they're pretty specific type branding that's on these suckers and people want them because they're willing to pay and they're 20 bucks a piece. Yeah. That's what blows my mind. 20 bucks for these cloth. And, I, and I've been told that the cloth ones are not near as good as the, the disposable ones because the idea is you throw them away. Right. But there are medical professionals that are being told, hold on to your mask for at least a week yeah. and then get rid of it. It's like that's cross-contamination all over the place. So I'm not a fan of wearing the mask. I'll wear it if it's required. But as far as out in public, I'm not on board with that. I'm just... Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not a huge happen. fan of it either. I mean, I, I'm in the camp of you need to do something and do it right. So these homemade masks, I don't think are, are really helping. And I think the reality right. is, you know, the masks were a knee jerk reaction to just not knowing. Right. And I think, um, you know, we're going to find out more about this virus in the next six months or so. And we'll probably figure out yeah. the uh, the new question, are masks good or masks bad? But I think, you know, right now they're saying something's better than nothing. And this is just what we got. Whereas these, you know, was these kind of 
fake masks that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say fake, but a lot of these masks that I've seen, people are wearing them improperly. I've seen people with the, the things pulled down underneath their nose, which is like taking a condom and putting the tip <laughs> off. I mean, that's what I was going to say. You know, yes. people are just <laughs> which, being stupid. <laughs> They, they are, or the guys with the really long beards and the mask only goes so far. And it's like, yeah, it's, I, it's, I don't think that's doing what you think it's yeah. doing. <laughs> it's, it's not helping. I, I, it's, um, yeah. You guys do your thing and I'm just going to sit here and, and I got stared at when I was the one person in the room, not wearing a mask. I got looked at as though I was the midget in the yeah. room. Like everybody's looking at me and you're like, I was diseased and I'm bad and evil. And I'm like, you can look all you want people. That's fine. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the camp of master yeah. choice or they should be a choice. Yeah. Um, but I certainly think that establishments have the right to throw you out if they think you're sick. Um, I agree. Know, so. Well, and if, if it's, and if an establishment, depending on what the establishment is, if they want to run their business by forcing a mask on you, that's fine. If it's something that I don't need, I know Costco is one of them. So I'm not going to Costco if I have to wear a mask to go in there. Walmart doesn't require it. Right. And so that's, I'll just adjust my needs accordingly. So I don't expect them to change for me, but I know there's a lot of people out there who don't feel that way. Yeah. They want the business to change for them. And that's not exactly how business is ran. Right. But all right. The last one we got on here yeah. is uh, six caps, six gowns, Kansas first, six tuplets prepare to graduate and leave home. That's pretty cool. Yeah, this is a feel good story. I thought this was, it's not making the news like I was hoping to. And so as I was searching for things, I thought, well, this is awesome. I, I remember these kids being born back in the early 2000s. Yeah. And so um, they are from Norwich, Kansas, I think is what the article said. And they, like, you know, the article says, these are the first Kansas set tuplets. I think there's another set in Regu, Kansas. Okay. But they, they, these six kids make up 22% of the senior population of this school. So it's a very small town. <laughs> One of them's the valedictorian. I think the other one's the salutatorian, and oh, yeah. one of them ran the engineering group. So I guarantee you everybody yeah. knows everybody in that class. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so uh, it was just a really feel-good story to see how these, and it's so ironic too, because these are the first sex tablets of Kansas. They're graduating, and and they don't get to graduate because of this whole COVID nineteen thing. So a lot of seniors got really short sticked on this whole thing. Uh, but these guys are making the best of it. Mom and dad bought them all um, graduation robes. The, the girls got one color and the boys got another color. I think the school colors were red and white. Uh -huh. And they took pictures of them together. And and so there's, you know, they're all getting ready to go off to college. They all have their own separate paths um, lined out for them. And um, it's, it, I just thought it was a really great feel-good story. And very ironic that they would be the seniors this year yeah. that are coming out. And there you don't get that final you know, send off at graduation, but it's a really great article. If you remember these sex templates, check it out. And, um, but it kind of, it kind of makes you wonder, um, I know my senior year was okay. Um, and there's a lot of people that are all over the place doing parades for the seniors this year. They're doing neighborhood parades and different things like that. And my, my eldest didn't care about his senior year. So I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Did you, was senior year a big deal to you? If you'd had your graduation canceled without, would that have meant much to you? Yeah, I think, I think that would have bummed me out quite a bit. I mean, uh, I think my college graduation meant more to me than my senior graduation. Cause yeah. I, I think I bonded better with people in college, but, um, I, I know it would have definitely impacted me. The thing I don't get is this whole fad of showing your senior year picture to show, solidarity oh. with all the seniors like what you're just making them feel bad that you got a senior right. year and they didn't i mean who, right what, who came up with this crap 
it's, I, I agree. That is not a way to honor somebody who's who's being robbed of something. And I'm not, it's yeah, like, I'm, I'm not digging on anybody that actually put this on their social media, but I mean, that was the first thing that came out of my head was like, man, the, the people watching this, the seniors that actually are watching this must feel really bad because it's kind of like rubbing uh, it in their face a little bit, I think. Yeah, I saw one of my friends, um, her daughter was graduating this year and she was ticked off to see all of the, here's my senior photo. And what's funny though, it's, as it turns out, it was a, an engineering, a, a social engineering ploy. Yeah, It was because you had to put out your senior photo the year you graduated in the school you graduated from. I see. Well, what when you set up a, the password in, you know, you're starting up a, a new account with something and they want you to set up, you know, secret answers to secret questions. What are you normally asked? Yeah. Who your mascot was, what high school did you right. go to, what year did you graduate? Yep. Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm not touching this. And somebody got mad, like, you should totally do this, Tara. I'm like, nope, I'm not. No, yep. just no. The other thing that I thought of was, uh, you know, we've got all this facial recognition software that's coming out. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you wanted to make a database of what somebody looked like today and what they look like when they graduated high school and let the computer interpolate between those oh, two, God. right? I mean, that's your. That was the be the missing piece of information that you'd need. So, yeah, I, I'm not so sure that this thing wasn't uh, truly for the seniors. If it was uh, big, mm-hmm. a big social engineering experiment, and you know, and everybody lined up yeah. for it, just like they do with the surveys oh, yeah. and everything yep. else. Yep. I mean, it was everywhere. I have more information on people than they they realize, but they've yeah. given out somewhere. There was a Nigerian but, yeah. prince with all his money that he cannot <laughs> give away. <Yeah>. Correct. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. Well, what's the first thing you got here? Uh, five five-minute ways to get you noticed at work. And so, um, you know, there's kind of the what was I thinking when I found this? Um. I have the question in there. So wait, wait. The title. The you... title of this thing is five <laughs> five minute ways to get you noticed. Is this a tongue twister episode? Because I can't think right. any of the titles of the article I picked out. <laughs> I was thinking of you, okay. Chris. I just wanted to make life difficult for well, you. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and and pursuing my own career, my I just in, you know finished my graduate program, and I'm pretty excited about that. And you kind of had that big, and, and again, my graduation's virtual, so my my big send off is kind of disappointing. Um, but I wanted, I can't, went after that degree to do something big with it. And so, um, you know, talking with those people at work that have a, a hand in my career, I just kind of said, Hey, I'm, I want to do something more. I, I want to make that next step. And, and so I was, I was, I've been given some really great advice and so I wanted to look and see what was out there. And there was some other good advice on here. You know, they're, they're literally five. I'm not sure how they're five minute projects or five minute methods to, I'm not sure of the timing on this, but you know, there's, you know, one of them is to uh, offer to take on new projects. And this is actually something I hear at work um, between myself and a few other people, which I think is awesome. Um, it's that way of lending a hand to other people at work, even when it's not my job or that's above my pay grade right. and, you know, things of that nature. This is a great way to show your attitude and your initiative um, to your employer or, even to people who aren't your direct supervisor, um, getting noticed isn't just by getting noticed by your immediate boss. It's the other bosses out there who can offer you other positions. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that. 
Yeah. And, and so I think when it comes time for layoffs too, I think that uh, people don't realize that there's, uh, there's long memories there and uh, yeah. you know, a bad impression will stick around a lot longer than a good one. So exactly. Absolutely. So that's, I thought that was, I thought, you know, giving that offering a hand to those who may need help is great. Even if you don't know what their role is or what they do, it's a great way to cross train as well. Right. Um, providing a specific example. Um, I think this is really good in terms of showing others that you're paying attention, that you're listening, you're, you're thinking full circle. And so in this particular um, part of the article, it talks about how you give a specific example of when somebody did something um, specific. So if somebody did a great um, job with a marketing strategy, it's one of the examples that the article provided, you, you pinpoint which strategy that was instead of saying, oh yeah, you do a great job in marketing. It's this project, I, you know, I noticed you did really well with this specific thing. Shows you're listening, shows you're invested in paying attention. Right. And that's, I think, what managers are, are looking for. I know with um, my leadership roles that I've had, that's what I looked for, somebody who could put uh, pieces together, you know, one plus one equals two, or um, could see the bigger picture between projects. And so I thought that was, I thought that worked out really well. Yeah. Um, number three, number three is probably my favorite to speak up at company meetings. And this is probably where yeah. I get noticed the most. You don't, you don't have any issue with it at all. I can tell you that I'm for very, a fact. I'm very good at speaking my mind. And I do so with respect to the people that are in the room. They may not always see it that way, but I do have intentional respect attached to it. But people are scared to talk at meetings and I'm not. I figure if I've, I've, educated, I've got experience. And if I can back up my point or back up what I'm saying, then I have no problem speaking up. Right. There are other people who really struggle to say something at meetings, you know, thinking I'll sound stupid. It's not going to make sense. It doesn't apply. And so I think this is a really great thing for people to work on, but it takes having those soft skills. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes having communication, confidence, um, the desire to want to be heard. Um, not just because, for yourself, but for the interest of the organization, as cliche as that sounds, I'm very organizationally driven. And anybody who knows me knows that I am. I'm kind of annoying like that. And I think it's important on this one, you know, speak up at company meetings to remember if you have something to add, right? Add, yes. I think, I think <laughs> just, just talking just to talk is just going to annoy the crap out of everybody and don't do it. Correct. And uh, Unless you don't want to be invited to the yeah. meeting and then say things that don't. And, and I think the other one I need to add, and, and it's only because I work with quite a few engineers is uh, there's always that one person that, you know, is going to ask a meet a question during the all hands meeting with, you know, like 500 people in the room and you're just regretting, you know, they're like, Oh, here it comes. And, and it's going to be something that, you know, isn't hard, easy to answer in a minute or two in front of 500 people. And so putting somebody on the spot like that uh, certainly is not going to make you be remembered. Well, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. You've, yeah, definitely make sure you have a point to what you're saying and don't put people on the spot just because you're ticked off yeah. or emotional. And or then there's trying to, then there's the other side of that coin where somebody asks a question that everybody knows the answer to, but the person answering the question is going to feel good about answering it. Right. And so you're like, Oh, there's the Brown noser. He's going to ask the, the dumb, obvious question that everybody knows the answer <laughs> to. And, and that, that yeah. I don't think gets you in, you know, may get you some, temporary brownie points from from the big bosses but certainly not from your coworkers. Correct. oh no no there's that's i think that reverses the respect yeah <laughs> a little bit i think we go in the wrong direction so what's the next one here um, the next one's getting the mindset to hear constructive feedback and so 
I know this has got to scare the crap out of, you know, out of a lot of people. Um, and I think this is going on talking about evaluations and asking for, you know, honest feedback on your work. And it can be hard to hear things that are ugly or that sting or that just don't paint you in the brightest light. Right. And so when you kind of get past the whole, I'm going to take this personally to, I'm really trying to do better. I'm really trying to get better because I want to move to the next step and I want to get noticed. Mm -hmm. You're going to ask for that feedback. One of the, um, one of my clients that I coach, one of the things he knows he needs in his position is to be told you're doing a good job. You're not doing a good job. Right. And here's why on either point. And that's how he operates, but he's never been good about asking for it. And so he's learning. It takes a little bit of time. Um, but the more he, he hears, the more he can learn. And that's what criticism is about is learning, not putting somebody down. And I think a lot of us take it, that criticism personally, as a means of, I'm not a good person. I'm not good at my job. They hate me, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Um, even then, I think you, you see this a lot in school uh, where the student, be they elementary or an adult student, you hear them say, my teacher hates me. I get bad grades. My teacher just yeah. hates me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's feedback for you to improve for your next. Nope, they just hate yep. me. My boss hates me. They would. They're always criticizing me. Yeah, and, <laughs> and as a as someone who's had you know teams, um, when I have somebody that doesn't like you know doesn't take um, feedback very well, it it really is hard to give them the next opportunity, right? Because you're kind of like, right. well, they're they're kind of maxed out, you know. That that's kind of I think yeah. what people think. Yeah. And I don't think it's easy for managers, no matter how easy they make it to give negative feedback. That's got to suck. Yeah. It, you know, when you, it, it is really difficult because um, you walk this fine line of giving, you know, really honest feedback versus, um, you know, and to me, in, in my head, it's like, well, what good is it really going to do? Right. I mean, you know, right. if somebody, uh, you know, you know, they're, they're not going to take the feedback well, and that's because they've demonstrated that to you multiple times, right? you know, that and it gets harder and harder, I think, to give them constructive feedback, um, you know, and then, then there's, it's just, it's just difficult all the way around. I mean, it's, it's best, the best policy is just to be honest all the time. Um, but, but it does get to be difficult. I can't say that. I, I can imagine. And the last one I love and here is improve your emails. Improve your emails. <laughs> So this one, um, I'm a, I, I turn my spell check on and I, I have a, uh, that, oh, that, that browser add on Grammarly turned on both my work computer and my uh, personal computer, because I'm, I'm a writer. I've been writing for a number of years. I'm published out there in different places. And so my, I'm very particular about how my emails come out and I'm always very, try to be very professional in them unless I know it's a joking context. But I see a lot of emails that come out and it's like, did you really mean to send what you sent? Yeah. Did that did that make sense to you in your head when you type that out? Or are you still, do you still need to go back on that? Yeah. And I, I would make the, uh, I would make the addition here that does it really need to be an email? You know, is it, is it yes. something that you should do more in person? Uh, do you need to write anything at all? <laughs> you know, right. um, and I, I like how a lot of companies now and in, in, in a lot our work, we're using um, collaborative programs like Microsoft Teams or Slack. Um, yeah. They make it much easier to just get a quick message, instant message from here to there uh, without having to go in and write an actual email, you know, because well, it, 
Yeah, go I was ahead. just say email is just so impersonal, you know, and it's, I mean, it, it yeah. truly is the equivalent of getting an, a memo and writing a memo to somebody, you know? Well, yeah. Well, it's, you know, that doesn't build relationships. I, I wanted to have a, a conversation with a, um, a, a high upper level manager in, in the company that I work for. And I didn't want to have that conversation through email because I wanted to create that relationship with this person. So I would stand out literally. And so I said, Hey, I, I want to talk to you. Do you have time to talk on the phone? And they responded, yeah, heck yeah, I do. You know, here's a date and time that works for me sure. and call my cell. And we had a great conversation. But now if I had done that through email, how easy would it have been to shrug me off like, oh yeah, here's some advice and good luck to you and have a nice one. There's no extension for me to continue that conversation. Yeah, you may not have even gotten a response back. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so if, you know, it's, it's, I think you make a great point. Do you have to write it down and are you emotional when you're writing the email? Really check that. I know there's several times I've had an emotional response and I go to type an email and I think, you know, let's hold on to that Yeah. before we hit send. And in fact, I, I'll be very careful if I had hit a reply, I'll take the person's email out before I do something stupid, like send it with my emotions written down. And cause sometimes it's good and cathartic just to type it out and hear the banging of the key, the keys on your keyboard only to delete it later on. Be like, okay, I'm over it. I don't need to send that yep. and stir the pot. Yeah, in that case, I would recommend using a, a program that's not your email program. So you can't accidentally <laughs> send it, you know, just open up Microsoft word or notepad or something and bang out whatever <laughs> message you yep. want, because it takes the physical act of copying and pasting that into the email yeah. program to make sure that you send it. So it gives you that extra little check uh, for your brain, yes. you know? Yes. Always double check. Do you need to send this? Is it going to make a positive difference? Yeah. Is it going to help? But yeah, so I thought those were really good ways to get noticed at work. If you're looking to get noticed, some some of us are steady eddies and we don't want to be noticed and we just want to go to work, put our head down, do our business and go right. home. And that's it. And yep. that's great. And that's good you, those for some are, people. Yep. I'm not one of those and I don't know too many people that are. And so you got to find a way to stand out because I've got some credentials that stand out, but i to have some things that don't stand right. out. So you've got to know how to, how to manage that and put yourself out there for people to reject you or accept you. Cause there's, you got to know how to handle both. Fantastic. Career fail of the week in career fails. Michigan strikes back by suspending elderly barbers license. Have you heard about this? Uh, I've heard of several of these. There was a gal in Texas that went to jail I read the article about this guy, uh, you know, just they suspended his license apparently without a hearing, which uh, is raising some That's questions. No, no. Uh, yeah, no. I think uh, states are definitely over, overstepping their bounds here. Uh, yeah, and this is just going to play off the, you know, who's essential and who's not essential. But and some people are going to agree that this guy made a career fail. He decided to break the. I don't want to call it logs. It's not an actual law. It's just an order. Right. Those are not the same things necessarily. But in his mind, this is the only way he can make money. This is it. You know, he's, I don't know if he's receiving social security. He's 77 years old and he decided to remain open during the, the, this pandemic um, despite, um, you know, stay closed orders and the government had enough and hauled him to jail. Yeah. And so now there's people protesting and speaking up for this guy when there's other people who are saying he heard the order, his fault, he's out of out of luck. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, I don't know if it's a career fail. It's a choice he made. But well, I think the career fail is on the state side here because I, I don't think this guy's oh, going to yeah. lose any business over this. I, I don't think there's one person in Michigan that's going to go, 
I'm not going to go to that barber because he defied the governor. You know, I, Oh, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there'll be somebody yeah. that thinks that way, unfortunately. Maybe, but. maybe one or two, but I don't know if he wants to be cutting that dude's hair anyhow. I mean, I, I think the career fail here is how the state handled the whole thing, you know, and, and putting elderly yeah. people in jail when you've already kicked out inmates because the jails were overcrowded and you were worried about them getting COVID. I mean, that's insane. It's, it's absolutely insane. And I think like we talked about earlier, I think the States are going to pay for it. I think there's going to be several lawsuits out of this. And I think the States are going to have to write some checks over this deal. Yep. I think you're right. And I think this, this particular one came out of, Oh, where is this? That's Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, a governor that's being compared to the Nazi dictator right now, oh, Gretchen Whitmer. Fantastic. Yeah, she has really, I guess she's, um, I hadn't seen everything, but I'm hearing that she's having people stopped in their cars when they're traveling because they, you couldn't travel in pairs, right. you know, because you can't get six feet of distance in the car and things like that. So she's, um, from what it sounds like, um, she might be in her last position as governor in that state. Wow. I think yeah. she's in our... I think Michigan's going to be paying for her decisions for a long time. That, that's my oh, yeah. my uh, my theory here. Uh, yep, I would have to agree with you on that one. That's Michigan has been through the ringer on this at the at the leadership of this particular individual, and that's sad. Yeah. That's that's so sad. But yeah, I I was enthralled by this that a seventy seven year old guy just trying to make a living, and you throw him in jail. Yep. That's that's what we've come. There's to. a way to get. That's one way to get the masses going. So. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. All right. On to the IT corner. Let's talk about some cheerful stuff. So Facebook's got some <laughs> new messenger rooms. So in the middle of COVID-19, they've polished off some new software here. What are messenger rooms? <laughs> I don't know. I just saw them. I've seen Facebook has been terrorizing me. Here, Tara, open this new messenger room. For who? Basically, um, Mark Zuckerberg's answer to Zoom meetings in Microsoft Teams. See, he's got to keep up okay. with people. Now, I don't know about right. security. So I know for my organization, uh, we have to have secure um, sites for this kind of thing. We have to have secure software that can you, nobody can hack into, which is what you know we discussed that um, a few shows ago, how Zoom was experiencing some interesting hacks. Um so I don't know about the security level on this one, but it's literally a Zoom meeting. You just open up the room and it has a, um, a capacity, so to speak, of about 50 individuals. And, you know, they could be a, could be the profile shot. It could be a live stream of video. Uh -huh. But this is how people can, if they're not meeting, then this is the way that families can get together through social distancing. Yep. So that's what I'm gaining from it. I haven't tried it yet. I may... I may try it because um, I'm going to be laid up here for a few days. So this will give me some way to, to annoy people while they're all trying to work and do constructive things. So I'm guessing that uh, businesses probably aren't going to use this, right? Because nobody's going to want to get all of their coworkers on their social media <laughs> to get into a well, meeting with each other, right? I don't know how many businesses endorse the utilization of Facebook at work anyway. So yeah, I think this would send a, I think you're a very right. disturbing message about that. Um, but, you know, for I know some... For families and friends, it sounds like it makes sense, right? It's uh, right. I, I know that FaceTime has been really handy for people that are in the Apple ecosystem, but for those families that have, yeah. you know, sort of a divided house between Apple and Android, then uh, I can see yeah. this being really useful. Yeah, I imagine if you have a Facebook, now not everybody has a Facebook, and those 
who do have Facebook, not all of them utilize it the same way. Right. Some are I have a, a sibling who does not get on there very often at all. And then I have a, I have another family member who lives on there and I know everything about their life because of Facebook. And so I think it's going to, it's going to, if, if you're on it, that's a great way to, you know, maybe have a party online. So, you know, if you're social distancing and I, I do have a friend who takes social distancing as a sport uh-huh. and so she's not interacting with any of us right now <laughs> so and she, that's fine. She's getting now, a gold medal in all this. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. She's up there with the Sasquatch as far as social distancing goes. And <laughs> what's funny, she's always been that way. She's very select, um, selective on who she hangs out with. And so before she wasn't socially acceptable to be doing that. And now she's socially acceptable, which I think is kind of a, she has mixed feelings about that. She doesn't care to be part of, you know, the social constructs of society. And so, um, so for her, this would be something great, but to her, she's also like, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, if I want to, I want to talk to you, I'll talk to you. But some people eat this stuff up, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, uh, stay-at-home moms and, and different people like that who do utilize Facebook as a means of connecting with people. This will be a great way for them to see them now. And I can only, if it, I'm, I just hope they don't make it something you could stream out into the actual into um, the wild. <laughs> yeah. Into the, where you, on your actual feed so that you know how you see if somebody goes Facebook live oh, and you yep. can see their stream. I'm hoping it doesn't go to that level that has it yet. I think that'll just, I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> I may have to shut my Facebook down if it comes to that, but. Well, we'll certainly Never see how know. it plays out. Hopefully, uh, it, it's uh, it sounds pretty useful. Well, hopefully, it uh, doesn't get into a big mess with uh, you know security and and people popping in yeah. your room that kind of thing. It seems like it's got some uh, you know better features than maybe Zoom had for that sort of thing. So we'll see uh, where it goes. Yep, absolutely. It's parent time. Parenting styles: how to choose. So for me, parenting styles is is everything. I'm I'm drawing from a 1950s, 60s perspective of family. Now you all, you're you're in your 20s and 30s, right? 40s. So we're <laughs> in our 40s. Yeah, we're in our 40s. <laughs> you whippersnappers, yeah. But anyway, but the the key is is that and you go back to how were you re- how. How did you perceive life? What is your perspective on life? What is your viewpoint on uh, how you approach life and how you make decisions? And so uh, having grown up in the authoritarian uh, role or seeing that very defined role in the 50s and 60s and having had my children in my 30s, I understood that uh, my son told me one time because I was trying to make him eat green beans. And he told me, he was like eight years old. He says, but dad, everybody's got their own taste buds. Mm-hmm. And it floored me because I was like, wow, this comes, out, <laughs> this comes out of a kid. You know, as I'm a single dad, I'm, I'm macaroni and cheese and green beans, you know, hot dogs. But what he, when he said that, it, it turned the light on that I could not uh, expect him to like green beans like his sister likes green beans. You know what I mean? So after that, because he was going to eat those green beans that day, (laughs) I had to learn to uh, alter and adjust and and make two types of green beans. You know what you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To apply to the differences in my children. And I think that's what we need to do in those roles. We need to learn to apply what works for each child. Yeah. 
Well, it's just, you know, I think it, it, to compare it to something like when you're in the restaurant, the restaurant makes the meal for you and you eat what you know you like and you leave behind what you don't and you're paying for the meal and it's your choice. And, and I think given those choices to our children, it's amazing that he came up with that logistical answer for you at that young of an age. Well, and I've always said for a long time that when I finally figured out the my parenting styles, leadership parenting and coaching parenting, because my kid, I figured out my kids can teach me as much as I teach them. It's not, age has nothing to do with it. It's, they teach me more about who they are as individuals because you don't know what you're getting when that kid comes out. You have no idea what you're raising, regardless of what your intent is. It, they come out how they want to, in the end, they make their own decisions when they become adults and they have nobody telling them what to do. And so it's, it's that blows my mind that he said that at that age. I think that's awesome. Well, it saved, it saved him some, some miles. <laughs> It had to save you a little bit of stress of you're going to do this because this is what I do. And kind of changes <laughs> that path like. a little bit. It really did. It, it really did. And, it, and it, it kind of turned the corner on how I would be approaching the way I was uh, dealing with single parenthood. Mm-hmm. You know, up until then, it was, hey, whatever's on the table, you eat and that's it. And that's know, how I was raised. Yeah, you, eat, you so. eat everything on your plate and that's all there is to it. And you don't complain. And right. so my kids are like. We don't like it. All right. Well, either you can fix yourself something to eat or you go hungry, but I'm not short ordering, cooking everything for you. Makes right. sense. Don't make your decisions and get it figured out. Cause that's what you do in real life. Anyway, right. if you don't like what's there, you find another way you get it. You get something else out of the pantry and make it. What about you, Chris? I don't know. I kind of lost what you guys were talking about there. We're talking green, we're talking green beans, Chris. I, I know. I just don't know how to add green beans. Green beans or corn. I mean, really? Come on. I'm more of a corn person, but I like to keep things simple. So I'm, I'm not mad at you, bro. But, but but that's but see again, everybody has their own now. Yeah. So I began to make broccoli a little bit more, which they both like. And so with in life, you find out you learn from you learn from like you said tara your kids what their propensities are yeah and then you begin to uh gravitate toward okay so uh i can do that that way they can eat faster or they'll get through they'll eat what they need and mm-hmm. then they can go do their homework or get ready for bed or whatever whatever the next is so that's a that's a learning process for me as far as parenting yeah when I think your style as a parent changes as your child grows and develops, and then you have multiple children and you kind of, you know, going back to some of the talk we've had in the past about being agile and being adaptable. That's why I like the leadership style is and the coaching style is that I can grow with my children as they grow and I can, I'm open to learning from them and they can lead sometimes and I can follow them, which works out really well for my household. Cause I've been a single mother for a good number of years and it just, I'm, I'm terrible at being authoritarian. I can't ground kids because I can't remember who got grounded for what and for how long. And they know that so they can use that against me. So we have other means of other means of discipline that don't make me stressed out. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to evaluate, you know, the examples that you've had in your life about parenting styles and, you know, not just your own parents, but your friend's parents or or, you know, other parents you may have seen, you know, in other situations at church or school or whatever, and kind of really think and, and reflect on what kind of a parent you want to be, right? Because I think, uh, you know, it's easy to repeat the examples that you had in the past, but if you didn't have good examples, then the, you may not want to repeat them, right? Yeah, I know that with my parents, I don't, they were very authoritarian. It was their way and there was no other way. And 
you know, the very strict household. They didn't, you didn't know how much money they made. You didn't know what the bills were. So we were utter adult failures when us kids entered into the workforce and entered into a, you know, a life as 18 year olds. We were, we trashed our credit. We made some really bad decisions because we weren't prepared. We, because we've been told what to do, how to do it. And when we got out there to make those decisions, it's like, well, who's going to tell us what to do? How do we do so? For me, that didn't work. And I knew that watching the world change around me, I knew it wasn't going to work for my family either. So we we worked hardcore on decision-making and how those decisions not only impact you, but the world around you, who is going to be impacted and how. Yeah. For me, it was important to make sure my kids understand that their decisions, you know, mean something, right? That there's not always going to be somebody there to bail them out or, you know, make sure that there's going to be somebody there to rescue them that, yep. you know, if they're going to make choices, they need to make good choices that, uh, you know, don't leave them vulnerable to, uh, to bad things, you know? So. Right. You know, to give you a quick example that I know my son, he's a going to be going to senior year this year, sophomore year, he failed a class. And I know most parents will ground their kids. And I told him, it's like, well, this is going to really suck for you because you're going to be in a sophomore in freshman English while you're taking sophomore English. So I'm not going to ground you, but you get to learn a lesson by going through this experience. And within the first couple of weeks, that course is like, this is, this sucks. I hate this. I, I'm not doing this again. Oh my gosh. So it's like, I couldn't have grounded him. There's nothing I could have done to teach him that lesson that you need to make these better decisions. And I'll be gone, you know, this year he's had almost straight A's the entire year. So it, it did do something for him versus his best friend who gets grounded repeatedly and so he's never making good grades because he gets bad grades. Mom grounds him until the grades go up. Then the grades go down. So he gets grounded again. It's up and down the coaster. doesn't work. Not for everybody anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, again, hearing you say that reminds me of some circumstances that I observed. And I, I even went through uh, in terms of uh, when I was a youngster and uh, my best friend got held back because we were both – uh, we were both put on punishment out in the in the uh, hallway, and he wanted to gyp school. And and but because uh, our home was so was such a disciplinarian home, I knew I had better not ever think about gyp in school. And so I just sat there and took my punishment. He ran off. He got <laughs> he got put back in the third grade, and I got oh, moved to the fourth grade. grade. Yeah, and oh, so. Wow. Oh yeah, and our lives, our lives. Even though he was my best friend, our lives, you know, it, it just they just it just kind of divided. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it really it it didn't end well for him because he lost his life early in in his thirties. Uh, uh, yeah, he just took a bad road. He's an excellent athlete, you know. Got things. They his uh, parents were much more lenient. Good yeah. parents. I loved them. I, I wish they were my parents, but they were really lenient on him and he took, made some bad decisions. But the key is, is again, those life lessons that, you know, your son um, uh, uh, went through, oh, is going to help him uh, tremendously. Mm-hmm. And obviously it has because he's maintaining that good grade point average because he never wants to experience or feel that again. You know, that's probably rock bottom. <laughs> he didn't want to sit with those freshmen again. He's about over that. But I think we've had some really good conversation on this. And I'd like to, I think we should probably look to continue it um, in our next get together. What do you guys think? I agree. I agree. So. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us, Dennis. We absolutely love having you on the show. 
Hey, um, it's my pleasure. And, and again, this is what we do. And at Dad's Care Too and, and Founder Life Ministries, we're doing um, some uh, major initiatives uh, in the community uh, this year, starting some sober living facilities, which are going to teach those women and men who are coming through that process how to build their families back again. And all of this uh, uh, pertains to uh, sharing this with our community. So I appreciate you all initiating this podcast. This, so <laughs> thank you for inviting me for sure. <laughs> Welcome to Media Madness. All right. In Media Madness, you had a book here, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Tell us about that. So this is a book I read um, several years ago. It's up on my shelf because I use it um, for me personally and for my clients that I coach and just a great reference book. And because I'm still in the process of reading Idiot and I'm not quite done with that yet, I had to pick something that I'm already familiar with but would still recommend to people. And this is a great one. Not everybody is on board or understands emotional intelligence. And during times like this, it's so important. It certainly so- is. I, I think this book is on your shelf and just about everybody else's that I've yeah. seen that has an office uh, at work. Uh, yes. It, this seems like a popular book to give out for to management. It is because it's, it's one that... Um, it literally is a self-development book if there is a truly such a thing because you don't read the book cover to cover. Yeah. You you really shouldn't. The idea is you take the test up front, which gives you four different numbers for the four different main areas of emotional intelligence. And then you pick which ones you want to work on if there are any. And then you go through the book and find the strategies that correlate with the areas you want to improve on. And then you get to the end of the book that you read and then take the the little quiz again to see if you improved anywhere or how you use those strategies and that's it. So you can literally do this book in about a day if you wanted to. It's just yeah, it's not a, that heavy. It's a quick book. And I, I remember reading this uh, a couple of years ago here and uh, it talks about, you know, emotional intelligence. They shorthanded as EQ. And yes. uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting concept, um, I think, because uh, it's not something that we talk about normally. Um, but it's uh, I kind of take reserve to calling it intelligence and emotional intelligence yes. because it's not really how smart you are. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's how well you can, uh, use your emotions and control your emotions, right? It's well, you can't control your emotions. Those, those happen. Um, you've got different influences and different stimuli that your emotions are a response of, but what it does is you recognize those. So if you, like, I used to have a really bad temper, I'd get so mad when I come home from, from work and my house would be a mess because the kids would have not picked up or cleaned and, and what, it, what emotional intelligence is, is driving home, I realized the house is going to be a mess because that's what the kids do. So instead of flipping out in the kids and being psycho mom, just take a deep breath, walk in, expect it, and then say, hey, let's clean up before we make dinner. So it's realizing your emotions to certain situations, to other people, um, and then just managing yourself. So even though you know you're ticked off, don't blow up. Right. So it's managing. So you can you can control your responses to your emotions, but you can't necessarily control your yeah, emotions. You're, and you're still going to have those. Uh, that's what I meant. You're still going to have those yeah. emotions, but you're going to control how you react to them and how yes. how other people perceive you. Right? Correct. And how you perceive other people. There's. I know that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that you know they, you just don't line up with them because somebody acts a certain way. Um, I know there's an individual at work that you, if you catch them off guard, they snap every time. They just don't like being caught off guard. And so I'm aware of that. So I don't like to catch this person off guard. Not, and I'm not walking on eggshells around this person, 
I'm literally prepared for this person's response to this particular stimuli. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's what sets you. It's one of the things that kind of sets you apart is I'm not going to do it this way. Let's do it this way. And just, you know, you're managing those relationships by understanding how other people mentally process their emotions. And it's, it's a great tool. I've been, it's more of a, a discipline in my opinion and a daily discipline. Cause it takes a lot of patience and tolerance to, to, <laughs> to take emotions as data and not be like, if you're uh -huh. ticked off, I'm going to be ticked off too. And so I, I do get a lot of my, I, a lot of my friends are like, how do you handle these situations, Tara? I would be so mad. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not mad. Right. I'm just not going to exert that on anybody. I'm going to find my outlet. And in the meantime, I know that that ticks me off about this person and this ticks this person off about me. And so that's what it's about. I think right now in a time where, you know, it's a great time to be defiant, right. especially with face yep. masks, but there's no need for me to be, I, I, I so much want to have an attitude and tell somebody off about why their face mask is a joke, but that's not appropriate. <laughs> it's not the right way to approach uh -huh. it. And so I do rely on my emotional intelligence and, um, to manage myself and not make a scene inappropriately. Cause it's just, there's a, there's always a better way to do something and you don't have to, you don't need to cause a scene and cause a big uproar or stir the pot just because that's how you're going to respond to it. Fantastic. Yeah. So get the little book and check out your emotional intelligence. There you go. All right. And I'm, I'm going to uh, change around what we had on the notes here, but I finished watching a series Silicon Valley, which is originally on HBO. I ended up catching it on Hulu though. And, uh, it's, it's kind of a short, uh, shortish series. It's I think five seasons and, oh. uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it go, it, uh, covers this tech startup called Pied Piper. And, uh, okay. it, it's not a new series. This is kind of old news by now, but, uh, it gives you kind of a glimpse into the, uh, into the world of how, you know, tech startups happen and kind of, uh, how hokey they can be and volatile, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a no. lot of really funny stuff that happens. It's, it's uh, I would mark it as a comedy drama, I think is the right genre for it. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it's certainly uh, entertaining all the way around. But uh, what's interesting though, is, uh, you know, having been an engineer for a long time, I've seen a lot of uh, similar themes, <laughs> you know, when you're designing <laughs> and developing something, it's the, the process is really all about the same. Right. And so right. You know, the things that these you know, these, these people go through to get this stuff going and, uh, stuff is, is really quite fascinating. And, uh, you know, I, I I've listened to other podcasts where I've heard them say that this uh, show is almost too close to reality <laughs> for, for some of those in the tech world. So, uh, I, I would assume that at least some of this stuff is not quite as outlandish as it seems, but, uh, very, very fun, uh, show to watch if, if you, nice. you know, are into tech at all, um, or, you know, kind of been around organizations at all uh you know definitely a, a fun one to watch yeah, all right great sweet watch check that out all right what do you say we wrap this thing up let's do it all right so this has been uh season one episode five of the biz and mayhem podcast and uh, if you like the show we'd appreciate if you go over to patreon and throw us some bucks because uh hosting a podcast is not free uh and we'd like to keep doing this for you uh, also, if you have any feedback for us, uh, send us an email at bizandmayhem at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you think about it. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes. Those are at uh, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-A-M-S-1-E-5. And uh, let us know what you think about the show. Uh, don't forget to send us an email and we'll see you next time. 